Hello, Rich Bolas here, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who supports the podcast by writing a review on Apple, as it helps massively. I read every single review, and it always makes my socks roll up and down with joy to know that an episode has resonated with you. So, big hug and heartfelt thanks. Now today, I have Adrian Braxmer on the show. During the COVID pandemic, Adrian and his wife Steph took their three children out of homeschool and essentially road-schooled the length and breadth of New Zealand on bicycles. They covered a staggering 4,000 kilometres and had some epic adventures. I hope you enjoy this chat with Adrian as much as I did. Adrian Braxmer, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, cheers, Rich. Thank you. Now, Adrian, like just the way I found you guys was about this epic bike packing adventure across New Zealand. Can you just tell us what what inspired that? Uh, I, I don't know. Just you just gotta keep life interesting, and yeah, you know, we've always done trips with the kids ever since they're young. And uh, to be honest, they just we just got inspired to do longer and longer trips because you you get away from the norm, you know, and you have more time just to break away from everything. So, yeah, no, yeah, I guess I was going to say because yeah. one of your earlier trips that I read about after the bike trip was the Yukon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been playing it for a while, and then um, I guess we had Charlie come along so we had to wait another year and then we sort of had to think about what you can do with a two-year-old that's still safe and in the realms of adventuring so the Yukon sort of fit that bubble on where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do so um it was neat eh? it was just three weeks in a canoe and Steph's parents came with us so uh total remote campfire cooking every night uh, just living in the wilderness it was yeah it was pretty amazing actually and, um, fantastic adrian and just to give a picture for uh, how many kids do you have now and how many did you take on the trip and sort of what ages was everyone on the on the yukon yeah. um charlie was, was two and uh, he was four jesus was yeah six so um you're quite young but uh quite compact too eh? like you could fit them in a small space um yeah so <laughs> yeah made life a bit easier did you have yeah. to fly all the gear over there and stuff or did you hire a lot of it when you were in did you start in canada or alaska uh in, in canada so yeah we, we took most of our outdoor, uh, outdoor gear with us and then uh just hired the canoes you know the, the big the chain stores in america you can go into a big walmart and buy all that kind of cheaper outdoor camping gear um and then just just go for it, really. Yeah. Wow. It must have been pretty gnarly, though. I mean, the Yukon isn't exactly a walk in the park, is it? Or is no, it? No. Oh, it's a bit of both. There's a bit of you know we had beers in the campsite and um, you know a few rapids, a few windy days. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Charlie fell overboard uh, about two weeks in, and he disappeared for about four or five seconds before we found him again. So. Um, just little things like that it kind of keep you on your toes a bit um, but yeah no, it was it was great great trip and there's just so much history there you know it's not just the wildlife you've got the old gold mining era so old mine shafts and paddle steamers and little cabins and 
you know, gold bridges. It, it, it's just fascinating, the whole trip. And the kids just, you know, just soaked it all up. It was really neat. Wow. And what inspired all of that then, Adrian? Uh, years ago, Steph and I, when we first met, we um, we went over there and we paddled the Yukon source to sea. So started up in the mountains and went down to White Horse and then we stopped and then carried on all the way up to the Bering Sea over like the three months. So we just wanted to go relive part of that with the kids, you know, and just reminisce of what we used to do without, without kids. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite cool to go back. And, uh, yeah, because what's your actual job as well? Because that sort of lends itself to adventuring, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've um, bit of a mixture really, but winter time, springtime, sort of avalanche forecasts, uh, monitoring, safety sort of stuff, and then yeah, in the other parts of the year, do a bit of guiding, um, contract kind of pest control, bridge building sort of work. So. Yeah, just a lot of random stuff, um, which you know, most of the time is outdoors. So, um, yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, and do you have to go away for sort of big chunks of time, or do you generally stay with the family? Uh, a bit of, bit of both. Some of the avalanche work, depending on how busy it is, can be away for uh, five to days, seven days. Um, some of the other work up to ten days out in the field, but I try and yeah try and make it only a couple of nights here and there if I can. Um, yeah, just just so they have to roll with what the work's doing at the time and what the family want to do at the same time. So it's a bit of a juggling act. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that the, the kids were quite young on the that sort of first adventure. I mean, it sounds like you have tons of adventures anyway, but the first big adventure. Now, what sort of things do you generally get up to as a family? Have you just always been getting the kids outdoor right from like the go, the you know the very first couple of months that they're born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've tried to, I guess, uh, be careful not to push them into it. We've just sort of eased into it and showed them a good time. And if things haven't worked, we've come back early. And we sort of, yeah, we feel privileged that the kids have really hit the mark on wanting to do it. Like they'll come to us now and say, hey, let's let's go do this bike trip or can we go climb this mountain? Or so we're quite we're quite lucky in that respect that we haven't sort of forced the kids but they they want to do it now and yeah it was a really hard juggling act because we really pushed jazz from a young age into biking when she was about three four uh, to the point where for the next two years she, she didn't want to do any biking and uh, that really taught us a lesson to just ease ease back yeah um, and just just go into what they're into yeah and make make them fun you know adventurous but um yeah, as soon as they weren't enjoying it, we just had to really ease back and make sure you don't put your kids off it at an early age. So was it lots of day trips and things like that? So you weren't sort of exposed and had to stay out camping for a number of nights and so on? Yeah, 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 short trips. And then um, if they were long trips, um, like cruisier, you know, if a, a five-day walk takes five days, we might take seven or eight just so we don't have to walk as far in the day. Um, yeah, just... If, if you see something cool on the riverside, you just stop and throw rocks and hang out, you know, just, yeah, making it more of a journey than the, the destination. Was that quite hard for you and Steph, though, with your background and, and trying to do the things that you wanted to do and you're like, oh, come on, guys, you know, or did you really have right. to take a chill pill? <laughs> yeah, chill pill, and it just totally, hey, just you've got to just relax and you know, when you're into, into adventures and adventure racing, you, you have a goal and your time frames and that, but you just have to throw that out the window and 
just just enjoy it for the the, you know, the moment really can you double yeah. click on the adventure racing adrian um yeah about five six years ago a mate asked me to do a, um was about a five-day adventure race and i sort of looked into it didn't think that was humanly possible until i gave it a go um, but yeah since then i've done a handful of adventure races and um they're really neat eh? the kids have been out supporting and then they've kind of aspired to do their own um trips as well <laughs> great were they your support crew when you were actually doing the races on, on the races that were close to home they were yeah brilliant that's so good being alongside cheering you on supporting you it makes such a difference to have them involved i think yeah yeah and it's inspired them too like you know lately we've been doing some row games and things like that together so they they really really love that aspect yeah now what sort of was there any cajoling that was necessary then for this epic bike adventure that you did with the kids i mean can you just start out adrian by describing what it was um yeah i guess uh we were we were were planning another overseas trip sort of like the yukon but with covid and i guess you get you get to a point in your life where you want to be a bit less destructive on the earth in terms of your carbon emissions and that so we just thought why can't we just leave home on bikes um sold the idea to the kids that you know you want to bike the length of new zealand um the korean parents had just done it a few years previously so that kind of inspired them and um we just said this is what we need and it'll take a year off school and you get to choose a bike that you you want to ride and um, just sort of sold the idea and before we knew it the kids were sort of planning planning it it was quite neat wow and so uh, for them they were sort of really integral in planning it kit wise and and route wise everything yeah yeah they were um yeah into it they were sort of stiff wrote to a few companies and a uh, few yeah, really good companies gave us some food, sponsorship, um, yeah, a little bit of gear. And uh, the kids just, you know, wanted to kit their bikes out in terms of pannier bags and speedos. And so it was it was sort of a three or four month lead up to getting ready for the trip. It was really neat. Yeah. I've got to ask, like, what was some of the kit that worked really well? And what was some of the kit that didn't work really well? Like, what were your learnings kit wise? uh most most of the kit was pretty good we um i had we ordered a like a bob trailer for steph which didn't arrive um in time so we just took the old kids like chariot baby's buggy which we still had you know from the kids a little and it wasn't to our first tester trip that we were wondering why cars were slowing down and giving us a wide berth and they they probably assumed that we had a baby in, in that buggy and the buggy was just full of food so <laughs> We decided to was safer, you know, and, and keep that keep that buggy for the whole trip. Yeah, it's a good idea. So that that led up the rear. Yeah, yeah. We should have put baby on the board. Sometimes people would come over and say, "Oh, you got three kids and a baby. That's amazing." You know, but, um, <laughs> it's like that Danny McCaskill video where he's doing uh, mountain bike jumps and stuff with a baby cart on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What about the kids then? Did they select, take too much gear? You know, what were some of the, the things that did, was there much of a change of gear partway through? Yeah, yeah. We did a, we did a two week tester and, um, yeah, we culled quite a bit of gear. And then when we started the, the proper trip after about probably 10 days, 
yeah, first 10 days, we, we got rid of a banana box of gear, just just extra clothing and books that we didn't need, a rugby ball, spare bike parts, um, sent them ahead. You know, and then the next 10 days, we, we did another banana box again. So it took us probably a good two weeks before we really slimmed our gear down. Yeah. What were the essentials? Yeah. What were the, the things the, that you just wouldn't leave home without again on another trip? Uh, it wasn't, wasn't huge, really, just a cycling set of clothing and then, um, you know, a couple of warm layers and then mainly just food food and camping gear. That was, you, you just, the simplicity of just, you know, lightweight, um, which is pretty hard, but you, you don't need a lot. You just need a change of clothes at the end of the day and a sling bag to jump in your tent and that was, it was pretty much it. The food, the food was the bulk of the gear, like carrying food for five people essentially that eat a lot. Yeah, as you know, when you do trips, you, you you know, a bag of pasta doesn't go very far. Yeah, you're burning through a ton of calories as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was just constant snacking, you know, peanut butters and um, nuts and raisins, protein. You know, we, we sort of ironed out the food that was essential and the food that just didn't really give you much. So that all disappeared. Yeah. And um, with the the clothing and so on, I, I take it there was just a, a spare pair of clothing for nighttime. So you always had something dry to get changed into. And then you put your wet gear back on next day. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. We had a, we pretty had a, a really good summer most of the time. Actually, the first 10 days of the trip, it rained just about every day. And saying that, actually, but probably the first three weeks, it rained every day. Um, but we, you know, we just, yeah, like you say, you just get up in the morning and you've just got to put that wet clothing on because it's, it's quite a nice feeling that you dry clothing at the end of the day. Um, so it just become a routine and a bit of a dance to get the, the wet gear on. But you, you just, you just end up hardening to the conditions and, and, and living outdoors, you know, it's just becomes part of what you do. Yeah. Just routine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, and the kids learnt to hold their nose sometimes, and they pulled the old cycle shorts out for the morning routine <laughs> to put them on. It's things to get a bit smelly. <laughs> yeah, what were the sort of things that the kids commented on? What What were the things that got them excited, and and sort of were the things that they had to work through? Uh, the, certainly, the first couple of weeks, South Island's very very hilly until we got to sort of the Canterbury Plains. So. Yeah, just that. There are a lot of steep. We did a lot of farm trails and back roads where sometimes some of the hills you had to ride up and come back and help push the kids or tow the kids in my old one or the kids would come down and push you. So the kids really got excited about helping each other. And, you know, it wasn't how far you went in the day. It was if you could achieve some of the hardest tracks. Um, so we really went remote backcountry as much as we could. Yeah, I noticed by some of the pictures. I mean, it looked like the because I'd have thought that your bikes would have been sort of cycle cross almost, or at least like the tourers. But it looked like you actually needed full on mountain bikes. Yeah, yeah, and they they were yeah, quite comfortable. I, I guess I was the only one with a full touring setup, no suspension. But quite often we get to places that were nice to ride. We'd do rig, you know, like Rotorua, Takatikapo. Um, we'd got rid of the gear off the bikes and just went riding for the day and did some mountain biking. So that that was quite neat. But yeah, some of, some of the remote tracks were more mountain bike trails, so it came in quite handy having full suspension and bikes that kind of handle it. And I, I certainly suffered on some of the rough tracks just having to let the tyres down a bit for a little bit of suspension. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I saw in Instagram the Coromandel Coastal Walkway. Was that definitely the toughest day? 
it looked pretty gnarly. Yeah, that that would be a um. I think it took us the full eight hours, nine hours that day to do about eight of eight or ten k. Um, and it, it was enjoyable riding. There was just a bit in there where you just couldn't ride and you had to lift your bike and then carry your bike up the hill and then you had to go back and get all the pannier bags and the trailer. So yeah, that was a real challenge. Eh? The kids dug deep, but the riding we did do around there was just exceptionally like um, narrow tracks around the side of uh, sea cliffs and that um, just yeah just really nice spot yeah so you actually set out from bluff is that right and you you were heading uh, up to cape cape Rianga. so that's the sort of our northern tip of the north island and so why did you go that way what's the what's the benefit of starting really hilly or yeah there's no real reason i think just that we could sort of semi-ride from home we live at the bottom of the south island so and the, and the goal was to try and get um, most of the South Island out of the way, which is generally the colder of the islands uh, in the summer period. And, you know, we finished the South Island sort of late at March, early April. And um, just to get off the roads over winter, we went and hung out in Fjordland. We looked after a lodge in the sort of southwest corner of Fjordland and bottom of the South Island. So um, that was three months of living in a remote lodge with you know, just no contact with the outside world. Um, and it meant we could start the North Island just going into the end of winter, um, where it's a bit, slightly a bit warmer. Um, yeah. How did the kids cope yeah. with living in the lodge? Because you say it's pretty remote. Uh, yeah, it was a bit, but they, they, yeah, they looked into it and uh, just, again, there's history down there in terms of gold mining, um, hunting, diving. The kids really got into diving. So, like near the end of the trip, they were starting to get crayfish, spear fishing, big sand dunes, just lots of fishing. Yeah, kids got into the possum hunting. So it was just a real, I guess, a step back in time where the kids just enjoyed being out and about with no no power, no internet, no, you know, nothing like that. Eh? It was just, just raw. Weather was pretty exceptional in terms of storms, lightning. So, yeah, the, kid, the kids just really thrived. Um, I'm being outside down there and away from everything. It was quite neat. Have you found the kids transitioning back? I mean, have they they wanted to you know get back on iPads and and stuff like that, or are they just you know want to go on more adventures? Uh, a bit of both, but I must admit, you know, when you get back into work, life's a bit busy. That the you know the computer comes on a bit. It's always they always kind of crave it. So we yeah we try and limit it as much as we can. At the same time, you want to keep your kids up to date with that new technology. So we do, yeah, we do relent a little bit more than sometimes we like to, but the kids do have time on the screens. We we don't feel too bad. They're very active kids, so it's not like they're on the screens all the time. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's a good thing to see them just relax. And rest. And rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did they cope with school? Because you basically homeschooled for the year, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife did most of that. I tried to help, but. Uh, I don't know if you've tried teaching your kids before. We've had, you know, lockdowns and <laughs> go, some subjects go really well and some just struggle. So you just got to try and change the the homeschooling to suit the bike trip, like working out your distances and how much food you eat and money spent to just try and change your maths, sort of working out for that and, yeah, reading signs and, and history lessons and the, the geography where you go. So you, you just got to try and change it up as much as you can. Yeah, and make it applicable, make it applied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the kids, especially Jazz said this year when they're doing geography at school, 
she kind of knows New Zealand now. Like she knows where those little towns are, where that volcano is, or that beach. So, you know, in terms of learning the geography of New Zealand, it's quite neat. Yeah. Yeah. And what were the highlights? What were the places that you guys enjoyed the most? Uh, just the whole of New Zealand. Like, I guess New Zealand's a very touristy country, so a lot of people are struggling um, with that aspect of you know income and that. So quite nice to travel the country when it's quiet um, at the same time it, you just every community small community you went into you kind of connected with it because everyone was just kiwi really they weren't run run off with feet busy with tourism um, and, and in a way it's sad but you, you really connected with people in those small towns and you know um, I guess we spent time in Coromandel waiting for the Auckland border to open so we could carry on slightly north so just meeting Coromandel was really a neat spot yeah, there's not really, there's a lot of highlights, but the, the main thing is just, just having that whole journey for a whole year, you know, it just soaks you up and all you do is just live and breathe, living in New Zealand on, in a tent. It's epic. Did the kids miss stuff like, or were they just totally involved, invested, like this is it, and they didn't sort of want for anything outside of it? Uh, no, they, they did miss, no, no, Mahi, our middle son really missed a comfortable bed. You know, he'd love his little pillow at night, you know, a couple of creature comforts. Um, and, and, you know, when we finished the South Island, we came back to Tiana for a few weeks to get rid of Fjordland. So they, Mahi went for a few days at school and caught up with friends and same same with Jeff. So, and they kept in touch with their friends on the trip with, you know, messaging and the old phone call. So they did miss that aspect of catching up with friends. Um, and especially... That later half of um, the cycle trip with lockdowns, a lot of families weren't travelling because you couldn't. So a lot of campgrounds, we just didn't see kids for about three months of our trip. And the kids just missed that interaction with playing with other people their age. Um, so they, I think that's one of the big things they missed out on. Yeah, but I think that was just uh, the times that were happening, you know, because so many kids were going through similar but what you guys did, Steph and yourself, was amazing because the kids were doing something so much more engaging and, and active while everyone was sort of locked away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. And, you know, there's pros and cons, but the kids did learn to sort of talk to adults a lot more, you know, and not, not sort of be shy. So it was quite cool to see that aspect that they could just relate to adults a bit more. Um, yeah, and I guess Steph and I had to be kids a bit more to sort of, you know, fill that need, um, which is quite neat. You'd, you'd be a big kid again. Yep. <laughs> that sounds like fun. And what about for you and Steph? Like, what were the challenges for you guys? Uh, you do you do get a bit burnt out, burnt out, eh? Like, um, if you think about doing a, most of our trips, sections are about eight to sort of eight days. We could survive on food. So I guess you'd finish a, a trip, after eight days and then you'd you'd want to rest but you're having to plan and homeschool and prepare for the next section so you never really got any downtime in that i know you 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 sort of shy away from that and say well you're actually having a good year off but it's it's like doing a a 10-day trip uh, one after the after the other and you're and you're trying to plan and prep while you're going on the road it was i think that sort of burnt us out a bit Um, yeah how would you do it differently then? Would you change anything? I don't know if you can. Eh? I think we we did as much pre-planning as we could. We had to modify with weather and COVID a little bit. Um, 
you know, the grandparents are great. They meet us for sections and we turn up with a camper van full of ice cream and nice food when we need it. <laughs> was Mahi like straight to the bed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahi would pick the grandparents out of their bed there, you know, a soft pillow. And <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know if you could change it, eh? you just got to be so organised. And it, it, sometimes you just wanted the, a break from the kids. you just go in the tent and just read a book or something, just just uh, wanting that time out. But everyone was the same, eh? Um, we had three tents, so every now and then the kids could have their own tent for a night or two just to have their own space. Yeah. Um, and were you generally staying in campsites then? Or, you know, did you have a whole bunch of friends that you were sort of standing back gardens and whatnot? Yeah, a real mix, you know, a bit of like that warm showers. Um, sometimes we just physically couldn't pedal from campsite to campsite. So you'd have to freedom camp on the side of the road river somewhere. Um, yeah, campsites, the odd, the odd um, cabin or holiday house when we just needed two or four days to, you know, fix bikes and do washing and that. So it was it was pretty random. But, yeah, most of the time would have been in tents. Um, yeah. Uh, when you say fixed bikes, I've got to ask, how many punctures did you get? Uh, a few, like through central mid mid oh, through the mid Canterbury, I think we had like eight, ten punches one day, just as a lot of wow. typical military spikes, spike, you know. Um, you know, I think the the thing that caught me out was we spent spent a bit of money and got gear sent ahead of time. And Charlie was on a like a twenty inch tire bike and I sent his tyres to pick them, thinking oh, yeah, he'll go for a pair of tyres. But by the time we got to Christchurch, his tyres were worn out. And it's just physically his bike was doing twice as many revolutions as yeah. us on our bigger bike. So, was, you know, things like that, chains, um, gear cables would snap, things like that. You just had to try and gear it up, fix it up, and then roll into a bike shop whenever you could. Um, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. And so when, when you say the repairs and things like chains and stuff snapping was anything major went on the bikes or was it just generally those things like tires punctures chains gear le- gear cables no we we're, were very lucky eh? um a couple of steering heads cranks but things that you could kind of just make do until you could fix them but the i think the biggest thing is in central otago just before new year's or christmas the trailer i had um the the bit that joins the axle bent in half and um, luckily we found the engineer, must have been Christmas Eve, and I gave him a box of beer and he managed to re-weld it together um, so keep us on. But the rest of the truck, we had to be really careful. We had to splint the trailer with some Manuka sticks to hold it together wow. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, t- touch wood, now it's over, the um, yeah, the bike's held up, which was, was pretty lucky, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing because I think um, I, I did a bike packing trip last year with a whole bunch of friends and, and we were only out for 48 hours, but definitely some of the bikes couldn't take it. You know, the pannier racks were blowing out and all sorts of stuff, you know, things that, yeah. you know, you need gaffer tape, sticks and, you know, <laughs> what are they called? Cable ties, you know, it's just yeah, a, yeah. a wing and a prayer to get back to the campsite. It's so true, eh? And then I guess that was the aspect the kids sort of loved is they just had bikes that looked like they were held together with duct tape, you know? Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it was pretty neat. Did they, did they get sick of, like, sitting in the saddle, though? Or was that sort of like one of those things where it takes about two weeks to sort of accustom yourself to it? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we bought them those cycle shorts, and they thought, "Oh, I'm not wearing those." But after about day three, that was the best <laughs> give thing me those shorts. <laughs> <laughs> right. We used to call them we call them fat nappies. Remind the kids of having like a real wet nappy on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, and with the, with that sort of thing, um, with the like, I mean, the gear aside. You obviously had two trailers, so you had like the chariot and then you had the long trailer and that carried most yeah. of the food. What were the kids actually carrying? Uh, Charlie just had a like a, well, I'd say 20 litre dry bag for his sleeping bag and clothes. And then Jazz and Ma, he had uh, 13, 26 litre panniers each just to carry their sleeping bag and personal gear. Um, so they, they were probably carrying about 10 kg roughly. Yeah, um, and then little, would everyone have like a, a camelback or something for their own water as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those days we'd have to carry over 20 litres of water, so wow. we'd sort of spread that out. Is that because you um, just weren't passing anywhere with a stream where you could, you know, put some Puritabs in some Yeah, water? A, few, a few times hard to find streams. We, we carried a water filter, so New Zealand's pretty lucky. Yeah, you can filter out of most areas, even just drink straight out of the rivers. But, um, yes, yeah, some... Some days between five of us quite easily drink 20 plus litres of water. Yeah. That's a lot to carry, isn't it, on a bike, especially when you're going uphill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you think another, you need another 20 kgs on probably your gear, but um, it's just what you have to do. You, know? you, you, you can't let the kids dehydrate because it just doesn't, doesn't bode very well. <laughs> no, and then you get super knackered. Like it, it only takes, I think it's something like... It's ridiculous, like a couple of percent in, in body weight dehydration and you lose like 30, 40% of your energy. It's it's off the chart. It's it's really sort of exponential. But um, when you were talking about the, the routes and everything, how much of the routes were on tracks and sort of gravel paths and so on and how much was actually on highways and roads? Yeah, we, we made a real sort of emphasis on trying to keep off roads I guess when you leave Bluff, the only way there is state higher one for the first 16k before we can branch off. And then apart from that, we'd do a k or two just to get down and across. But yeah, most, probably about 90% of the riding would have been gravel road, um, cycle trail, or we'd pop into a pub or a ring ahead and find the farmers that own certain stations and ask for permission to ride through their, through their farm. And, and everyone was pretty out. good. Yeah, yeah, yep. And it might have mean that, you know, we'd, we have to do 40K on the main road or 140K around a farm mountain to be off the road. So we'd, we'd take the 140K section, you know. Was, um, so it was no, there was no like getting from A to B. It was a really zigzaggy find out the, the, the remote, remote kind of areas. It was really neat. Yeah, yeah. and you, you must have seen stuff that most people don't even see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty neat, eh? Just some of the, the big... Uh, valleys and in inland Canterbury, um, like the Rakaia and Rigatata. Yeah, just some of the back places you you come to and you meet a farmer and he said, oh, you should go through there. So you go through there and you just see some amazing waterfalls or mountainsides or rock formations. Just, yeah, New Zealand is, is, is quite a big place and a small place, if you know what I mean. Like there's a lot of variety in a very short span of riding. Yeah. Yeah, whereas Australia is the opposite, isn't it? Like you can be traveling for 100K and nothing changes over here. 
Whereas oh, it yeah. seems like New Zealand's very much more compact. Yeah, yeah. I had a good friend that rode across the, is it the Nullarbor? Nullarbor. Nullarbor, and yeah. he said, you know, the 3,000 K, all he saw was the same. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember driving it uh, when I first came to Australia, and, and we drove for like 10 hours straight from Melbourne. And then I looked at the map at the end of the day when we pitched tents, and I went, oh, right, so we should be about here. And the people I with just burst out laughing. They were like, no way, we've gone like two centimetres. And it just, yeah. it was devastating. <laughs> I yeah. sort of started to realise the magnitude of the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you were to do it again, Adrian, what would you do differently, do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we do much different. We, we did, did have a few more side trips uh, that we'd planned on doing, just with time and weather we'd been missing out. So. Yeah, there's probably another couple of thousand K of areas that we just haven't explored yet. So, yeah, we, we could easily ride the link to New Zealand again in a different, completely different way, I think. So, um, is that on yeah. the cards? Uh, potentially, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have joked about flying to um, Anchorage and just starting in Alaska and riding, riding south in the next year. If that happens, I don't know. But it's good to have, have something like that in the back of the mind. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> Do you reckon that would be a, a real layer of complexity, though, putting bikes on planes? Yeah, I think so, eh? Yeah, you can bike box, but, you know, bikes, well, 15 kg, and that's getting close to your weight limit without even throwing in your trailer and your personal gear. You, so. You're wearing a lot of pl- clothes on the plane. <laughs> You've got three <laughs> yeah, pairs yeah. of trousers and, <laughs> and six jumpers <laughs> looking like Michelin yeah. Man as you get in, get in your seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome that the kids have, have really sort of started talking about that sort of thing. Do you think that's that's what they're gunning for, that Yukon yeah, trip, or, or is there anything else in the wings? Yeah, there's a few things. Like Mahi really wants to go to Canada mountain biking. Um, Jazz wants to go see Nepal, you know, the Himalayas. And Carly wants has talked about seeing sloths and things like that in Central America. So uh, yeah, there's cool cool options and ideas. Um, and, and we're keen, you know, to go overseas, but we're, we're a bit more conscious of the carbon imprint on the earth. So whatever we can do to minimise that, the better, you know. So um, might mean missions closer to home I, I don't know but um oh there's yeah there's so many options in the world eh? it's 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 yeah it's crazy amazing. big yeah yeah <laughs> so much cool to, stuff to do so little time yeah 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 totally yeah but i think with the what it sounds like the way you've you you did the zigzagging and the kids sort of understand what new zealand sort of looks and feels like now it sounds like you could almost just keep going and going and you just add layer upon layer of depth to what you're you're learning about a region. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just you know, like uh, I think when we we rode into Mount Cook, left the bikes in the tent, and went up into the hills for mountains for two or three nights, just to see you know glaciers carving and you know rockfall that you don't see a lot of. You know, and just just getting an appreciation of how how the South Island is formed. Um, so there's yeah, there's a lot of cool trips you can do like that. Just ride somewhere, leave your bike, and carry on into the hills and explore. What were the sort of standout tri- uh, geographical features that you guys got to see? Um, I guess inland Kaikoura, so it's sort of just north of Christchurch. We uh, we went up through Molesworth, our territory valley. Um, uh, that was about a 
10 day trip and then halfway through that we just dumped the bikes in the farm shed and walked up into a, some of the high mountains up in there and had five six days on the mountain and just looked out over the, the south island and, and some of the earthquakes that happened in quite core some of the landslips you know that, that kind of that was quite a neat trip hey eh? um, just very different to where we live in Fjordman big open dry rocky terrain um, yeah wow. and and I guess that you know there's a mountain there that we had a go with the kids a couple of years before and we got turned around due to snow a couple hundred meters from the top and the kids were just gutted you know they'd put their heart and so on to get in the top of this hill and the snow come in and had to turn around so they they really wanted to go back so we made an effort to to do that trip while we were walking and they just on the summer day they were just buzzing you know that they <laughs> picked the right weather they were fit from riding yeah you know to get there so um yeah just little little side trips like that were just just amazing eh? just yeah Oh, wow. And what were the standout activities? Because obviously there's so much to do around New Zealand. I noticed things, I mean, the things that stuck out for me were like the hot pool beaches and things like that. Yeah, 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 totally. We went to the hot water beach in Coromandel. Kids couldn't believe they could dig a hole in the sand and then have hot water, you know. And, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, hot pools in Tikapo, uh, Hamda Springs. That was pretty neat. Uh, we went up the Klooper River in Central Otago and there's a, there's a section of trail missing, but the local jet boat operator there gave us a ride on a jet boat to get between the the trails and the, and the history lesson on that was just awesome. The kids, you know, said that was the best part and it was just simply the, the, the guide that drove the jet boat was passionate about the area and just really rubbed off on the kids, you know. So Yeah, and it's certainly it the good. fastest leg of the trip. Yeah, yeah, totally. spins <laughs> and yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, how have like i'm i'm looking at this totally selfishly now like if we were to plan something like that when you when you look at food and and everything where would you start would you start like six months out 12 months out you said you, you did three months but that sounds pretty intense yeah, yeah it's, it's, i guess we've done a bit in the outdoors before so you sort of understand tents and gear you know you can buy the lightest tent which is awesome but carrying but it doesn't actually last as long so you better to buy a slightly cheaper bigger tent but you know it's going to last the whole year it's just little things like that but um yeah the, the food like we met a family in the top of the north island who were just sitting out on their big walk and um you know later on they come and stay with us for a couple of weeks into the trip when they were down here and they were complaining about ulcers and and muscle cramps and feeling lethargic and we we went through what they're eating and they said well we're just eating porridge noodles and wraps and pasta and we said well where's your you know where's your meat and protein or where's your veggie nutrients and all that and they just they just hadn't hadn't thought about that you know and i guess that's a a key thing is you just got to try and eat food that you regularly eat um so I guess that was a big part is making sure we had plenty of energy and, and you have to give the kids multivitamins just because fruit and veg weren't, weren't always available. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's things you learn as you as you do it, but um, pre-planning, you can't beat it. You've, you've got to do some of it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you could be totally caught out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, we finished one of the nine-day stints with like half a bag of oats and a couple of sachets of soup, you know, <laughs> 
um, luckily Steph's parents, they, they knew we were short, so they, they turned up that day and had a, a couple of pies and tomato sauce. And <laughs> I was going to say, what, what were the sort of meals that you all uh, dreamed and craved about? Were you guys sort of talking about stuff like that? Because that was always conversation when we used to do expeditions. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like one of the first sections we, we raced to get to the last dairy before it shut at five o'clock and the kids just raced in. They got a pie, a bag of chips and ice cream. They're trying to eat the pie on one hand and the ice cream on the other hand, and then they want to have chips, but they haven't got a hand free. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing, you know, nothing wrong with chips and, and ice cream. That, that totally goes no, together no. well. <laughs> you know, you think of an athlete, and it's really quality food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a finely tuned machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the kids could eat three mince pies in a sitting. Like, it was amazing. Eh? They just, you know, and then ask for more. It was, yeah. They, they were burning it, so you didn't feel bad. Yeah. I mean, did it take a while to readjust afterwards? Were the kids just buzzing, or, or did everyone just need a rest at the end and just went straight in? Did, did need that rest at the end, eh? Um, especially at Cape Rianga. We, we stayed up there for a few extra days just to rest and hang out. And um, that was neat. Eh? And then even getting home, the kids keep eating what they were usually biking, and it took a couple of weeks for them just to start not wanting to eat as much yeah so it does take a while to adjust back yeah and did, did the bikes uh last or or did they pretty much just fall in a heap and and they got a sort of uh well yeah, there was yeah. a, a ceremony like a, a fiery sort of raft sent out into the ocean <laughs> push them off <laughs> how, how did they fare i mean are the bikes good to go again do you reckon with just some repairs or were they pretty much done oh they're pretty done they need the basic maintenance i think my frame had a crack in it um, the last five days on 90 mile beach. They, they, they just got, we, we had to camp in a sandstorm. So we woke up one morning and all the bikes had just a centimetre, 10 centimetres under sand. Um, oh, sand and the cables, the gears. Oh, the, you know, and so. just eat through everything, wouldn't it? Just the friction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just totally, to, just finished them off, really. So. Um, I, I do a bit of bike mechanic on the side, so I've just spent the last you know two months in my home just taking each bike apart and, and cleaning it out. So they're, they're they're good to go, but a few of them I'd yeah you'd just get a new bike and start again because they uh, they'd be on. I wouldn't yeah you say beyond repair because it's not worth spending the money. That's right because I mean yeah the cost to replace stuff it, you know you spend more than the brand new bike in some cases, wouldn't you? Yeah yeah yeah, and the technologies just gets better you know so brilliant and with them with the bikes for the kids as well i noticed um obviously mountain bikes but is there any particular stuff like disc brakes everything like that just would you would you say certain things that you definitely go for yeah def- definitely disc brakes um just you know the simple reason of having uh, buckled wheels um Good, good gearing, like especially for because you've got a bit of gear going up hills, you really need that low gearing. The kids are quite often on their lowest gear um, to go up hills. Yeah. Yeah, and, and brakes because they've got a bit extra weight. So, you know, Charlie was on a 20 inch with V brakes and his brakes are getting pretty hot at the bottom of some of the downhills, you know, had a hard time trying to stop and um, just things like that. Yeah. yeah. And did the kids actually wear like, um, you know, SPD shoes or anything like that or just sneakers? No, just just sneakers. Yeah, we all just, I guess, because you stop and start a lot. You yeah. go for a run. Um, yeah, 
So just just easier, yeah. Totally, and the minimum amount of gear that does the most. But yeah, totally, yeah, 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 yeah. You have to say the kids, either, you can only have one pair of shoes and your crops or something. And, you know, they say, oh, I want to bring this top and this top and this teddy bear <laughs> as long as you want to carry it, you know. So <laughs> is it the test where you go, right, let's load up the bike, so let's go up this really steep hill and now let's reassess what we want to take? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just that chucking things out as you go up in order that you don't want it. <laughs> yeah, that anvil, totally don't need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, with with the bike maintenance stuff that you mentioned that you do, like were you, were you tweaking the bikes all along the way? Was it every night just giving the bikes a once over that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, just just I wouldn't say daily, but just yeah, almost every sort of three four days you would just go for each bike, and you just keep an eye on what was kind of going wrong, so you could you know order a chain or a set and have it two or three weeks ahead to pick it up. Yeah, because I mean, you guys were actually out for what eight months it's a big length of time so you could sort of plan two weeks or so ahead couldn't you yeah 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 send, send gear ahead and, and there were always with homeschool we had to send uh book work ahead to pick it up oh wow so you're carrying quite a few books yeah 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 there was it was quite neat the, the homeschool correspondence in new zealand is awesome they just they give you a lot of resource but you know when the first set turned up it was almost three banana boxes full and whoa <laughs> yeah have you got a kindle version <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you just put it all back in one and a half two and a half banana boxes and send it to the next station yeah you know? <laughs> yeah you don't want to be yeah. carrying too many books no 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 the things like the technology is awesome kindles things like that you know you can a little laptop you can load a lot of stuff on there so yeah oh so the kids did a lot of their schoolwork on yeah, you know, reading and stuff on Kindles and la- laptops. Yeah, yeah, the laptop a little bit more. They they uh, every kind of week or two they would sign in with their correspondence teacher and have a half hour hour session. So um, that was always a bit of a challenge to make sure you're at a place you could get reception. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes you have to get the the satellite in reach and message the teacher and say, hey, "I'm really sorry, but we just haven't made it out of wherever we are. We'll catch you next week." So. Yeah. Did you actually take yeah. a sat phone? Yeah, more like an inReach. It's sort of a sat text machine. Yeah. Um, and that was handy just for some of the remote areas. We can text friends and say, what's the forecast? Um, you know, and just let them know where we are, things like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, weather-wise, you, you mentioned you had that night with the, the sandstorm. Were there any other particularly uh, standout sort of weather events that you had to cope with? Um, I'm pretty lucky. I guess we're the first week we set off. It snowed to sea level. Um, we had snow. We had a we had a windstorm just north of Wellington that um, blew my bike like head over tilt three or four times. It went over Charlie's tent, and we thought just you know, and then carried on. It was that windy. Um, oh. uh, but luckily enough, the the tents held up to the wind and um, well, a couple of broken poles. Yeah, there was there was a few exciting moments there. Uh, one night we'd come down a valley and a big southerly storm came in and we just had nowhere to camp, so we had to bike and ride on dark. We found a little grass appearing and it just as soon as we got the tents up, it started snowing heavily. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you, you a few wet days, a few flooded rivers and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, one, one night we had a river run through one of our tents, so you woke up in the morning and everything was just drenched. So the next three days you had to just dry things out it was 
you just deal with it when it comes. You can't really do much about it. Yeah. Know? There's no clicking your heels and saying there's no place like home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Creature comforts, yeah. yeah. I'd rather be home right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've got to ask, like, with the kids, were they really good in, in the sort of the moaning sense? Uh, or were there some epic sort of, should we say, teddy out the pram moments? No, there's, there's a few of those. And or was that just you and Steph? <laughs> there was no more me and Steph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the kids thought that was obvious behaviour, so they started doing it. <laughs> no, 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 there was. I guess you have patties at home, and the kids had moments, and it was nothing different than being out on the road. But it was probably amplified by being a bit tired at times, and yeah, um, you know, a few hills, the bikes would be pushed to the ground. I'm not doing this anymore, and then. You just ignore it and five minutes later they just go back and get their bike and carry on, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, this is so good. It's so inspiring, Adrian. Like have many people followed in your footsteps since? Or should we say cycle path since? Oh no, it's it's good, eh? We met we met quite a few families out there. They said they want to do that and they've they've started by just doing a four day trip. Um quite a few well, a couple of families mentioned got in touch one couple three kids family coming from wellington they ended up cycling they wanted to do what we were doing but covid hit so they just did a loop of the south island um so we've, yeah, we've had contact with families we've caught up with families that are doing similar things you know asking the questions about what bikes to get what gear works so it's pretty cool way eh? and um a lot of people you know wanted to do something similar so you just you just say like in new zealand we've got so many bike trails that are two to five days long perfect to just try it out and get started you know um see if the kids like it the all most of them have got some sort of road access so if you have a day where it's not working you can just get out have a rest and go back in so yeah it's pretty cool eh? and then and other families have inspired us to do more because you know the, the limits are the possibilities are limitless what you want to do yeah that's yeah. ace so i mean you've said next maybe you know cycling through the the u.s and so on but um anything else in the in the meantime uh yeah we're quite keen we've got a um the lodge we went into fjord and we walked out of it over to the eight days when we came out and we we thought it'd be really neat to walk into that lodge which would take us we worked out probably a good 10 days of pack raft walking through the back blocks of fjord so Things like that are on the cards, yeah. And um, yeah, there's a there's a big river just uh, east of where we live that flows out to the ocean. It'd probably be like a ten day canoe raft trip we were quite keen to do. So right. yeah, there's quite a few of those trips around. That's some yeah. pretty some big chunky trips. I mean, ten days. It's only because you've done an eight month trip that it kind of sounds small. But most people only get away doing stuff for like four or five days where they're doing a, a hike like you're, you're talking 10 days i love it it's <laughs> yeah yeah well I, 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 like you say there's the same amount of work involved in a weekend trip than there is for a 10 day trip in london oh we found that like two weeks ago where we went waterfall hunting and we packed and i looked down and i was carrying enough gear for four days and we were going for one night and i was like yeah, this is yeah. ridiculous <laughs> but you just couldn't take any less for sure, yeah. But the, the you know the the effort and the reward for being out longer is just it outweighs it. Yeah, so you, it sort of inspires you the longer the trip, the better if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're all in, so you may as well uh, yeah optimize it and get the most out of it. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I guess, I guess, being a parent, you, when you do come home, is rather than just your own set of gear that to tidy up. There's there's five sets, you know. There's there's five sleeping bags that might be drying out, and there's five pairs of shoes that are wet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But rather, rather than do that ten times over ten weekends, <laughs> I'd rather do it once over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's good because it takes a couple of weeks to sort of get all that stuff squared away again. It does, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the kids must have got pretty good at sort of looking after their own gear as well, though, because they had a vested interest in making sure it was, A, dry, and B, working. Yeah, 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 totally. They, uh, you know, they packed up their own gear, so they knew where it was when we got to where we got at night. So, now the kids are really good, eh? They just cotton on to keep an eye on their own gear and what food they needed for the day, and, um, you know, if they lost something, Sometimes you never find it again. Like uh, they leave a watch on the side of the track. Yeah. Do you want to bite back and get it, or is that it? You know. So. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's interesting. And did the kids change much? I mean, because eight months is a big sort of proportion of their lives at that age. Yeah, it is. Eh? It's, it was cool just seeing the confidence that they they can achieve something. You know, they some of the hills in the South Island. They just looked at them and rolled their eyes. And then after a couple of weeks, they were, well, it's a hill, just got to get over it, you know. And they would just go over it. It might mean walking a little bit, you know. And by the North Island, they just, the hill didn't phase them. They just said, oh, well, away you go. And so, um, yeah, it was cool just to see that they, they've got their sort of motivation now that they can achieve this stuff. And they don't have to be fast at it. They just got to tick away and it'll, it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. And did it sort of inspire some of their friends as well? Yeah, totally. Yep. Yep. A few, um, I guess COVID changed things. A few of the friends wanted to come and join us for sections. Um, but yeah, since then the kids have gone for walks up into the bush and with other families and they've, you know, they want to go cycle the length of New Zealand. Um, we've got a, a 30 day breveret happens every year, every second year in February. So the kids want to do that with their friends are inspired. Eh? So um, yeah, they'd certainly talk about. That's awesome, Adrian. That's so good. Well, um, I, I totally want to be respectful of your time, so uh, I think we should wrap up now. But um, just hats yeah. off to you, Adrian. I think you guys did a fantastic job, and you are doing a fantastic job of just inspiring and and enabling the kids to just become epic adventurers. So it's <laughs> it's such an inspiration. No, no, cheers, Rich, eh? It's, it's cool, eh? Um, really cool. And, uh, you know, I hope the podcast inspires more families, you know, and, and we hear about these trips. It just makes you want to go out and, and do more. So, Well, I mean, if people are inspired, where should, where should they head to find out more? Um, just probably listen to podcasts like yourself, you know, just listen to um, the guy, Stu Taylor, with his son. Yeah. It's just, and there's lots of blogs out there. You know, more than happy if people contact us through their web, our website or um, our blog. We're more than happy to have the yarn and, and say what works, what doesn't. You know, it's all different for everyone. But um, yeah, it's, it's just just get out there and ask questions. Um, yeah, love it, Adrian. It's great. Uh, I'm inspired. yeah yeah oh no we have to do a trip with the kids that would be awesome all right well um yeah that's fantastic i'll uh get this wrapped up and we'll get it published and and hopefully inspire some uh some people to get bike packing (laughs) yeah cheers rich sounds good 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Adrian. If you'd like to check out more about the Braxma family's adventures, I'll put all the links in the show notes on the website, thedadmindset.com. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone else that might appreciate it too, sharing is a super great way to support the show. Also, if you have any great ideas for guests you'd like me to interview, send me an email to rich at thedadmindset.com or just say hello. Anyway, that's all from me for now. I hope you have a great week and as ever, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. <laughs>